0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for tonight's program.
1: Because a lot of people don't aspire to leadership and I hope at the end of this, I hope to aspirate your aspirationer, isometer and so that you want to go, you know what, if God can do this in Timothy, maybe he can use me. Maybe I can lead. I didn't know I could lead.
0: A young teen raised by his mother and grandmother and mentored by one of the greats. He's got leadership potential so of course he's just itching to get into the leadership role right? Not. In recent weeks we've been introduced to a young bloke called Timothy who has the essential qualities necessary for leadership but being a leader is not his comfort zone. So what to do when leadership doesn't come naturally? That's Dr. Corbett's discussion focus for tonight in this, the third of a four-part series on the life of Timothy. Let's join him now.
1: Father, we're going to open your word now, and your word is just self-described as being like a surgeon's scalpel. It's able to cut in a way that brings healing. And Father, today I pray that for those of us that need your healing, we need our hearts healed, our minds awakened, our our hearts quickened that Lord you just do something through your word now may I hide and may people see something of Timothy and may Timothy hide and may they see something of Paul and may he hide and may we see Jesus behind it all today I pray amen we are looking at Timothy Timothy just to recap was a young man who was raised essentially by a single mother and her mother Lois and Eunice and uh, his father wasn't on the scene and his mother and grandmother are described as really good ladies, uh, really good women who did their best in raising young Timothy. Timothy was born to a Jewish mother, his father was a Greek and nothing nice is said about him and like a lot of young men who grow up without having a dad on the scene He was at, I think, great risk. Like any young man who grows up without a dad around, they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable to all kinds of things and Timothy would have certainly been that. And then one day the Apostle Paul turns up around about 51 AD and turns up in this part of Turkey called Lystra. And as he walks into the city there's a man who everyone knows because he's been there for at least four or five decades and he was born lame and Luke who is a doctor who's narrating acts and he's really done his homework and he says this man was born lame from his mother's womb and Paul walks in and he began he sees the man over there and and he begins telling this just everyone listen to me listen to me and and as he gathers a crowd in this town of Lystra he begins to tell them about Jesus who went around the shores of Galilee healing people who went around the streets of Jerusalem healing people who walked into a a portico pool called Bethesda he walked over people he went to one man who was lame as well and he said what do you want he says I want to walk (laughs) And Jesus took him by the hand and said, then stand up and walk. And that man stood up and walked. And as Paul's telling these stories of Jesus, he notices this man who's never walked in his life, his legs, I can only imagine how shriveled they were through atrophy of muscle. This man is looking like, could this be? Could, this, could Jesus do this for me? Is this possible? What I, am I hearing, is this true? And as Paul's preaching, he stops And the Bible says he looked at the man and saw that faith was in his heart. And he said to the man, stand up and walk. You can imagine the crowd, probably bigger than the crowd that's here now, all going, oh yeah, right. And suddenly it says the man leapt up. Your jaw would drop, wouldn't it? I mean, if you'd never had uh, women, you could experience gravel rash for the first time because your jaw—ow! <laughs> As you saw the man stand up, and you think, "Well, there's, there's no one helped him. He just jumped to his feet." And these local people in Lystra, who'd seen that man every day begging, thought, "My goodness me, what's this?" And then, just to add to the confusion, the man begins to skip and run it would do your head in but there was a young 15 16 year old boy watching this going that's not the religion of my grandmother that's not the dry religion of my mother who is this guy and as Paul was doing his thing they called him a Greek god and his his mentor Barnabas who was with him they called him Zeus and, and uh, the chief of the Greek gods and it kind of went a little bit south from there and Paul was dragged out of the city and they stoned him and Luke says everyone thought he was dead. And this young kid's watching this, he's seeing this guy who's just declared this guy stand up and walk and he jumps to his feet and runs and many people say if this is what your Christianity can do I'm in and a church was planted in this place called called Lystra and then as Paul was dragged out of the city not too many moments later and hit with rocks the size of baseballs he in a bleeding mess dropped to the ground without a heartbeat without a breath and this young boy would have seen that those people who said I'm in came and stood around Paul and said God we've just seen you raise a, a lame man who's never walked, can you do something for Paul right now? <laughs> How's that? Bunch of new Christians gathering around an apostle asking for God to do something. I almost feel like I should just sort of pretend to be Steven Spielberg at the moment because I, what I want to do is if I could just take over your imaginations for a moment and do a meanwhile, you know how like they used to do meanwhile back at the ranch, meanwhile something was happening to Paul at that time and he tells the Corinthians in 2nd Corinthians he says this, I died and let me tell you what happened when I died I was caught up into the third heaven and this meant something to the people of that time they understood the third heaven was the deepest part of heaven and I heard things in that time that I could never repeat because you can't put words to it and to try and put words to it would just defame it and I encountered the Christ that I worshipped in a way that I've never seen before because he was seated on a throne and and he begins to describe his encounter with Christ and this is in 2nd Corinthians and suddenly that revelation that he had where he's he's trying to be you know coy about it he says "I, I know a man I know a man who died And he was caught and he's talking about himself and at that moment the believers in Lystra are asking the Jesus who is seated on the throne of heaven can we please have him back and at that moment Paul's taken out of the third heaven back in his body and he stands up. That'd be pretty freaky wouldn't it? And Timothy this young boy saw this he didn't catch Paul's attention at that time but five years later when Paul came back this young 15 year old boy is probably around 19 or 20 now and Paul comes back and and the believers there are saying you know there was a young lad here who really listened to you when you were here and he really was really struck and he has made great progress in in following Christ you really want to get to meet him so Paul does And they all speak well of Timothy and Timothy has the signs of someone that Christ could really use and Paul sees it straight away he says yeah I've been looking for a lieutenant I I reckon Timothy I reckon God's brought us together and it was kind of really cool because Paul had been sent to boarding school as a young man I was threatened with boarding school when I was a young man My parents never acted on it so I don't know what that's like but I can imagine that that would have been difficult for Paul himself this older guy now but but his father was never on the scene and Paul never refers to his dad and now he he connects with this young man who's been fatherless and I reckon Paul's heart went out to Timothy and and later on very soon Paul begins to describe Timothy as my son there was this really sweet relationship that they had of a pure relationship where an older guy had a heart for a younger fatherless boy and stepped into that gap and Timothy traveled with Paul for quite some time and he heard Paul preach and he heard Paul teach and he saw even more extraordinary things from Acts 16 on you read about this and he was with Paul one day when he went into um A town called Ephesus, also in Turkey, a lot of this action is taking place in Turkey and Paul goes down to a river and there's 12 men there and they are worshipping and Paul says uh, tell me about what you're doing and they said well we believe in the Christ and he says have you heard about the Holy Spirit? No not really who, what's the Holy Spirit and he prays for them to receive the Holy Spirit which is an important thing even today for people who say I want to follow Jesus please seek the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit this is what we see in Acts and, and so he prays for them to receive the Holy Spirit and they did and Timothy would have seen the extraordinary things that happened there and that church as we are going to focus in on in a moment that church that started with 12 people within a few years was 6,000 people Ruby and I are reading through Fox's book of martyrs it's actually a bedtime book it's not the ideal uh, sort of we interpret it a little bit for her but there's also we're reading into the second and third century where there's still so much happening in Ephesus and what Paul planted there was extraordinary but it wouldn't have been unless Timothy had been around and so what we're going to see and this is a I think um, for many people this morning it's going to be a bit of an eye-opener because Timothy had a lot of things going for him as we'll see I want to identify six really really positive things in Timothy but leadership wasn't one of them it didn't come naturally you know you go through primary school and there's some girls some guys who just stand out as leaders they get picked as house captain they get picked as school captain they get picked on the SRC they get picked for everything because they're just awesome at everything you know and um, Uh, sometimes they get voted most likely to succeed which I've never heard of anyone who actually is the most likely to succeed when they get voted the most likely to succeed so if, if you've never been voted the most likely to succeed rejoice because it's probably a sign you'll probably succeed so Timothy was never the SRC captain he was never the house captain he was never the school captain he was he never won anything he was not just naturally a leader so for Timothy, the leadership did not come naturally and I think God calls people into positions where they have to exhibit leadership and if I was to ask you here right now in this wonderful big lounge room that we're in now how many of you feel really gifted to be able to be a leader, to lead people? I reckon we get a handful of hands go up and how many would like to be in leadership? Some of those hands may even go down because a lot of people don't aspire to leadership. And I hope at the end of this, I hope to aspirate your aspiration isometer. And so that you want to go, you know what? If God can do this in Timothy, maybe he can use me. Maybe I can lead. I didn't know I could lead. But maybe, maybe God could do it. So why was Timothy now going to have to lead? Well the two things necessitated it, I've mentioned that for Timothy who travelled with Paul for quite some time there was one really really big thing that meant he had to step up and step into the shoes of Paul and the first one was when Paul was imprisoned. Paul spent a good many years in prison, he was imprisoned initially because of something happened in Jerusalem and then he was sent to northern Israel where the Romans had their headquarters and he was in prison there for two or three years. So he's out of action and so while he's out of action he's writing letters and often those letters are carried by Timothy to the church. So for example 1 Corinthians we read that you know I'm sending you this epistle by my son Timothy. So Timothy turns up and he he says I have an epistle from Paul let me read it to you and that all 16 chapters of 1st Corinthians would have been his sermon to them and he would have left them that document and praise God that he did because now we have Corinthians and that's the kind of thing Timothy was doing for for a while thinking well you know this will be over soon, Paul will be back out, I can you know I won't have to go by myself, he can come with me, I'm guessing is probably where Timothy was thinking. But another thing also necessitated the need for Timothy to step up and get out of his comfort zone and that was the growth of the churches. I said to you the church at Ephesus went from 12 men to over six thousand people in not that long a time that is extraordinary growth and you know with that kind of growth you get the one fruit that always happens with rapid church growth anyone know what that is problems thank you Lynn problems the faster it grows the more problems you have the bigger it grows the more problems you have and problems is spelt anyone know how to spell problems p e o p l (laughs) and that becomes the, the challenge and so these two factors Paul's in prison and the churches I'll just mention Ephesus as you'll see why in a moment these things have grown and now Paul's saying Timothy I need you to step up I need and but Paul I'm not I can't do this don't say, don't do that I, I need you right now I don't want excuses I want you to you know step up and step out and so there came a point when Paul's imprisonment went from northern Israel to a journey, uh, let me go this way, over to Rome and so he's, he's able to travel through, back through Macedonia which is modern Greece today and, and eventually end up in Rome and in Rome around about uh, 62 AD which is the closing or the closing chapter of Acts, we pick it up in about 62 AD where Paul is under house arrest for two years in Rome. Acts ends like this, Paul was under house arrest in Rome for two years and... and, and what? And we don't have the end, we don't have that. What we have is 1st and 2nd Timothy That's what we have and the reason for that is this, Dr Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts as Volume 1, Volume 2, he gave this in Paul's defence, almost like a barrister, gave it in defence as Paul was to stand before Caesar. And so there would have been officials in the administration of Emperor Nero, read these documents and some of them even came to Christ as a result of it. We know that. Because Paul later writes in the epistles we now have such and such in the palace of Caesar who's now a believer and you think wowsers so the gospel of Luke which gospel means good news or the story of good news and the book of Acts was leading people to Christ which means they became a Christian almost when the ink was still wet and it's continued to do so to this present day so here we have this situation where Paul, the and we deduce it from the two letters that he wrote to Timothy, First Timothy and Second Timothy. So he's now in prison in Rome, and I know that there's a. I've read a lot of commentators who have guessed on the guesses that others have made that Paul probably was let go and probably went around and continued to minister until maybe 67 AD and then you know decided to go back to Rome and in Rome then he was executed and it doesn't fit the evidence that's not the evidence not at all for some people they have to make that story work because there's this theory that Paul actually went over to Britain and preached in England uh, and there's a thing called British Israelism which some people are committed to and I just think it's, it's nonsense but that's another story. The best we can deduce from the evidence is that when Paul was in prison in 62, he was there for two years, we know that says that in Acts, he was then taken into the what's called the Praetorian Guard which is when they, things get really serious and probably now we're two years, so sixty two, sixty-four. The end of 64, things have got worse in the empire. What, what do we mean by this? Paul's in the Praetorian Guard. These are Caesar's Secret Service guys. So you think, hang on, wait a minute. I was, in, I was under house arrest. Now I'm in a prison being guarded by these guys who are Nero's elite SAS guys. Now, this is not looking good. And he hears word that down the hall his colleague Peter the Apostle Peter has been captured and taken and he appears before Caesar Nero and he tries to make a defense and Nero says don't want to hear anything of it take him out kill him now execute him right now and Peter's taken out and he's crucified upside down and Paul is in prison while this is happening and then later that year early 65 AD Paul stands before Nero and a similar thing happens, execute him, they haven't got time to crucify him, they take him out and they behead him. Before that happens he writes these two letters to Timothy and I want to to show you that something happened, Timothy was able to get over to Rome, he got over to Rome, he met with Paul and Paul says this to him, Timothy The greatest need that we have right now is for you to go to Ephesus I need you to go to Ephesus and so Timothy says but I I can't do this Timothy I need you to go and you got to go quickly this thing's on the brink of exploding and I need you to go over there and just calm things down and get that church in order So Timothy does, he goes. So we read in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 3 that Paul reminds Timothy of the first time he told him to go to Ephesus. And it says this, As I urged you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus, so you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. So it appears that after Timothy met with uh, Paul in around about 64 um, he was was more or less based at Ephesus and in that time when he is based there and he's met with Paul in prison in Rome and he comes back Paul writes 1st Timothy to him and I want you to hear this because Paul knows Timothy's not a strong leader. He knows that. He, he really, and he, He's about to go into a church of some 6,000 people and they could tear him apart. So Paul writes 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And I want you to get this. Paul feels like this is the closest human being on the planet Paul has ever been to. And he says that. I'm not closer to anyone else but Timothy. Timothy, you're my son, my beloved, my dear son. And so if you've got your Bibles go to 1st Timothy chapter 1 verse 1 I want you to read this incredibly unusual opening to this letter because how would you write to someone that you felt closest to more than anyone else on the planet? If I was to write to Kim, imagine if I wrote this, <clears throat> Andrew an apostle of Jesus Christ by command of God our Saviour Jesus Christ who is our hope. Now listen here dear, <laughs> <laughs> go down well
0: No,
1: no. <laughs> so why does paul do it why does paul go bam heavy well why this is cold because he's not really writing to timothy he's writing to the ephesians and timothy would have had to read this out this is the letter i've just received from paul and if you get that, you re... now it makes a lot of sense because here's Paul saying, "I've sent my young boy here. I know that there are some people there you could eat him alive. Don't you dare." And so, we see that Paul has to say certain things in this epistle to Timothy. In chapter four and verse twelve, he says this: "Let no one." despise you for your youth but set the believers an example in speech in conduct in love in faith in purity. Now the only reason Paul could possibly say that is because he thinks Timothy can and so what we see is that Timothy actually did possess qualities that he didn't think were that big a deal And I mentioned that I think there are six things that that Timothy possessed that made him an excellent candidate for the very thing God called him to do, even though he didn't feel he could do it. In fact, I'm going to say whenever God calls you to do something, if you are so overly confident that you tell God, yeah, you've made a good choice, I'm your man. You're probably not the man. (laughs) If you sense a call of God on your life and you go, I can't do this you're probably in the right place and you're probably listening to the right God because God will always call people who feel they can't fulfill the call and Timothy was no exception. So despite his youth in his late 30s or so, despite his lack of self-confidence, he possessed the right qualities. What are those right qualities? Here's six that I can easily and straight away identify based on that verse and the other things Paul says to him. Number one, he was humble and teachable. Who here is the humblest person in this room? I just see your hand. Who, when someone says, can I show you a better way to do this? says, No. What parent has children and you show them something and they go, I know? (laughs) And constantly I'm telling, I mean, I've only got one daughter left at home, and I can tell you who it is. And I think hearing, I know. But I don't think you do. Oh, all right, then show me. And part of the job of a parent is to somehow get this quality humble, teachable, because it's a beautiful combination of qualities. And Timothy had it. He was humble and he was teachable. The second thing was we know he's well grounded in God's word. Paul actually commends him for it. He writes to him and he, he says that his faith was strengthened by his grandmother and his mother who taught him the Word of God. So from a very young age he would have memorized the first five books of the Bible, how's that? Anyone remember, has anyone memorized the first five books of the Bible? You know, I was reading the requirements for a deacon in the Ethiopian church in the 5th century, as you do, <laughs> and the requirement to be a deacon in the church in Ethiopia at that time in the 5th century was to memorize the Gospel of Mark in Greek. Now I read that I think in, in my Greek studies because it was kind of like one of those things, you think this is hard, try being an Ethiopian eunuch uh, sorry Ethiopian deacon <laughs> oh, try being an Ethiopian eunuch that'd be hard, eh? anyway, uh, but being well grounded in God's word and theology and thirdly he, he lived the kind of life where we read in Acts that when Paul turned up five years after he'd been there the first time, they, all the believers said you really should get to see Timothy, he's God's really got a hold of him something's happened in him he's a young man who God is clearly all over and so what that tells me is that his life was on display that's called transparency and it's also called authenticity he was authentic he wasn't one thing on a Sunday and then something else on a Monday he was the real deal and he walked transparently with Christ and I reckon what that looks like please don't misunderstand what this looks like because if you search Timothy I want to see if Andrew is right you know and you google search Timothy a lot of the websites are going to call him Saint Timothy and I can guarantee you that if we did go back in a time machine and we were able to go into that part of Turkey and we were able to see Timothy there actually was no halo following him around there really wasn't and he probably dropped the ball several times he probably muffed up to use the Greek expression so here Paul writes to him addressing this issue of confidence Timothy really felt a lack of confidence and Paul says do not neglect the gift you have which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you so this wasn't a book it wasn't a watch it was a spiritual gift and who are the council of elders the Ephesian elders so the very people that he's now gone to Paul's saying don't worry about the 6,000 crowd don't worry about them worry about the guys who are the elders in this thing remember how myself and these guys got around you we prayed and we asked God to do something in your life God is now strengthening you and giving you the gift of leadership use that gift Timothy use it
0: That's all we have time for tonight. For a CD copy or a premium download of tonight's discussion, please go to our website, findingtruthmatters.org and select Timothy Part 3 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, Timothy had to learn to stretch beyond his comfort zone to be a leader of God's people, as all God's leaders must. He had to learn to use, develop and hone the gifts that God had already given to him and to focus on the core things that God had called him to do. More from Dr. Corbett next week with the conclusion to the Timothy series. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.